0: Chapter 10 of Ben the Luggage Boy, or Among the Wharves. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. Ben the Luggage Boy, or Among the Wharves, by Horatio Alger Jr. Chapter 10 FURTHER EXPERIENCES Ben had a comfortable night's rest, and when he awoke in the morning he felt that a bed at the newsboy's lodge was considerably better than a bale of cotton or a hay barge. At an early hour in the morning the boys were called, and began to tumble out in all directions, interchanging as they performed their hasty toilet, a running fire of chaff and good-humoured jesting some of which consisted of personal allusions the reverse of complimentary. Many of the boys stopped to breakfast, but not all. Some wanted to get to work earlier, and took breakfast at a later hour at some cheap restaurant, earning it before they ate it. Ben, however, had paid for his breakfast in advance, knowing that he could not get it so cheap elsewhere, and so waited to partake of it. He took his place at a long table with his companions and found himself served with a bowl of coffee and a generous slice of bread. Sometimes, but not always, a little cold meat is supplied in addition. But even when there is bread only, the coffee warms the stomach and so strengthens the boys for their labors outside. The breakfast was not as varied, of course, as Ben had been accustomed to at home, "'nor as tempting as my young readers have spread before them every morning. "'But it was good of its kind, and Ben ate it with unusual relish. "'When he had finished his meal, he prepared to go out to work. "'Not, however, till the superintendent, "'whose recollection of individual boys is surprising, "'considering the large number who frequent the lodging-house "'in the course of a year, had invited him to come again.' The lodging-house, though it cannot supply the place of a private home, steps between hundreds of boys and complete vagabondage, into which, but for its existence, they would quickly lapse. Probably no money is more wisely expended than that which enables the Children's Aid Society of New York to maintain this and kindred institutions. Ben had, after breakfast, eighty-five cents to commence the day on, but of this sum, it will be remembered, he had reserved fifty cents to pay the friendly reporter for his loan. This left him a working capital of thirty-five cents. It was not a large sum to do business on, but it was enough, and with it Ben felt quite independent. In front of the Times office Ben met and Reddy, the newsboy who had taken his part the day before. He had got the start of Ben and was just disposing of his only remaining paper. "'How are you?' asked Ben. "'So's to be around,' answered the other. "'What are you up to?' "'I'm going to buy some papers.' "'I have sold eight already. "'Where did you sleep last night?' "'At the lodging house.' "'How do you like it?' "Mm, "'It's a good place, and very cheap.' "'Yes, it's a bully place.' "'I'd go there myself if it wasn't for Mother and Rose. "'It's enough sight better than our room on Leonard Street, "'but I can't leave my mother and sister. "'If you're going to buy some more papers, I'd like to go with you.' "'All right. Come ahead.' Ben invested his money under the direction of his companion. By his advice, he purchased nearly to the amount of his entire capital, knowing that it would come back to him again, so that his plan for paying the reporter could still be carried out. You can stand near me if you want to, Ben, said Rough and Reddy. I'm afraid I shall interfere with your trade, answered Ben. Don't be afraid of that. I don't ask no favors. I can get my share of business. Ben, while engaged in selling papers himself, had an opportunity to watch the ready tact with which Rough and Reddy adapted himself to the different persons whom he encountered. He succeeded in effecting a sale in many cases where others would have failed. He had sold all his papers before Ben had disposed of two-thirds of his, though both began with an equal number. "'Here, Ben,' he said generously. "'Give me three of your papers. I'll sell them for you.' By this friendly help, Ben found himself shortly empty-handed. "'Shall I buy any more?' he inquired of his companion." "'It's getting late for morning papers,' said Rough and Reddy. "'You'd better wait till the evening papers come out. "'How much money have you made?' Ben counted over his money and answered, "'I've made thirty-five cents.' "'Well, that'll be more than enough to buy your dinner.' "'How much do you make in a day?' asked Ben. "'Sometimes over a dollar.' "'You ought to lay up money, then.' Rough and Reddy shook his head. I have to pay everything over to my mother, he said. It's little enough to support a family. Doesn't your father earn anything? My stepfather, repeated the other, emphasizing the first syllable. No, he doesn't earn much, and what he does earn he spends for rum. We could do a great deal better without him, he continued. Ben began to see that he had a much easier task before him in supporting himself than his new friend in supplying the wants of a family of four, for Mr. Martin, his stepfather, did not scruple to live partially on the earnings of his stepson, whose industry should have put him to shame. "'I guess I'll go home a little while,' said Rough and Ready. "'I'll see you again this afternoon.' Left to himself, Ben began to walk around with an entirely different feeling from that which he experienced the day before. He had $1.20 in his pocket, not all of it his own, but the greater part of it his own earnings. Only 24 hours before, his prospects seemed very dark. Now he had found friends, and he had also learned how to help himself. As he was walking down Nassau Street, He suddenly espied, a little distance ahead, the reporter who had done him such an important service the day before. He quickened his pace and speedily came up with him. "'Good morning,' said he, by way of calling the reporter's attention. "'Good morning,' responded the reporter, not at first recognizing him. "'I'm ready to pay the money you lent me yesterday,' said Ben. "'Oh, you're the boy I set up in business yesterday. "'Well, how have you made out?' "'Pretty well,' said Ben, with satisfaction. "'Here's the money you lent me.' And he drew out fifty cents and offered it to the young man. "'But have you got any money left?' inquired the reporter. Ben displayed the remainder of his money, mentioning the amount. "'You've succeeded capitally. Where did you sleep last night?' "'At the newsboy's lodge.' "'That's better than sleeping out.' "'I began to think, my young friend.' You must have a decided business talent. It isn't often a new boy succeeds so well. Ben was pleased with this compliment and made a new offer of the money which the young man had not yet taken. I don't know as I had better take this money, said the reporter. You may need it. No, said Ben. I've got enough to keep me along. You've got to get dinner. That won't cost me more than 25 cents. "'Then I shall have forty-five to buy papers this afternoon.' "'Well,' said the young man, "'if you don't need it, I will take it, but on one condition.' "'What is that?' asked Ben. "'That if you get hard up at any time, you will come to me, and I will help you out.' "'Thank you,' said Ben gratefully. "'You are very kind.' "'I know that you boys are apt to have hard times.' "'But if you work faithfully and don't form any bad habits, I think you will get along. "'Here is my card and directions for finding me if you need any assistance at any time.' Ben took the card and went on his way, feeling more glad that he had paid his debt than if the money were still in his possession. He felt that it was a partial atonement for the theft which he had nearly committed the day before. As he walked along, thinking of what he had just done, he suddenly found himself shoved violently off the sidewalk. Looking angrily to see who was the aggressor, he recognized Mike Rafferty, who had been detected the night before in wearing his stolen shirt. "'What's that for?' demanded Ben angrily. "'It's to touch ye better manners, ye spalpeen,' said Mike. Ben returned the blow with spirit. "'That's to teach you not to steal my shirt again,' he said. "'It's a lie,' said Mike. "'I bought it of the man you sold it to.' "'You know better,' retorted Ben. "'You took it while I was asleep in the park.' Mike was about to retaliate with another blow when the sight of an approaching policeman warned him of peril, and he retreated in good order, sending back looks of defiance at our hero, whom he could not forgive for having proved him guilty of theft. Ben's exploration of the city had thus far been very limited. He had heard of the Battery, and he determined to go down there. The distance was not great, and in a few minutes he found himself at the lower end of the Manhattan Island, looking with interest at the shores across the river. Here was Castle Garden, a large structure now used for recently arrived immigrants, but once the scene of one of Jenny Lynn's triumphs. Now, it would seem very strange to have a grand concert given in such a building and in such a locality. However, Ben knew nothing of the purposes of the building and looked at it ignorantly. The battery, he thought, might once have been pretty, but now the grass has been worn off by pedestrians, and the once fashionable houses in the neighborhood have long ago been deserted by their original proprietors and been turned into warehouses or cheap boarding houses. After looking about a little, Ben turned to go back. He began to feel hungry and thought he might as well get some dinner. After that was eaten, it would be time for the evening papers. He was intending to go back to Fulton Street, but his attention was drawn to a restaurant by the bills of fare exposed outside. A brief examination satisfied him that the prices were quite as moderate as in Fulton Street, and he decided to enter and take his dinner here. End of Chapter 10 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista